and also to say a, a big word of uh, appreciation and thanks uh, to Pastor Vincent who has really been a spiritual father to our family for all these years. I am saved in glad tidings, mentored in glad tidings. I got married in glad tidings. Pastor Vincent uh, officiated our wedding and my children raised in glad tidings. And Pastor Vincent dedicated my children. And, you know, through times and seasons where uh, Sean was not well and he was hospitalized for dengue, you know, Pastor also came along and visited. And he has journeyed with us all these years uh, as a family. And I want to say to all of our church members here, you are more than church members to us. You are really family. This is a family church and I couldn't be more proud or privileged to call Glad Tidings my church. This is my home. Come on, let's give God the glory. I am so thankful that, you know, you know, it's, it's, you, you were worried for a moment, right? What the announcement was going to be, yeah? <laughs> Don't panic. It's all right. I'm taking a short break. And as you know, in seasons of life, now my kids are growing up. And uh, Caitlin Joy is now uh, in secondary school. And so the needs have changed. And Jaden is in standard two. How many of you remember them as little kids? And Jaden was this fat boy. He was so fat, you know. People used to tell me, don't worry, Pastor Karen, when he grows up, he will look better because he cannot see his neck. <laughs> and he has grown to be a very handsome boy now. And Kaylin is a very pretty girl. You know, they're growing and uh, they need a little bit more time and focus. And I believe that, you know, as Pastor and the board and our team has so graciously extended this time to me, it's going to be a great time. And I'll come back stronger. Amen? Amen. You know, as we, as Pastor talked about uh, the call of God upon my life, truly, it's very related to the message that I will be sharing with you today. And the call of God for me is a full-time call. So I'm called to full-time ministry in this church. Church. But all of us here, you would agree with me that every single one has a call of God upon your life. You could be called to the marketplace, you could be called to the missions field. Donald is called to be a board member of this church. Each one of us here have an individual and specific calling because you are special to the Lord. So God has something special planned. It's an individual, it's a specific calling, but yet at the same time, that as a body in Christ, we are all integrated. We are all related. And I believe that the call of God upon glad tidings involves every one of us. And if you hear this mes message and you could take on this message and put it into practice into your life, I believe that individually and as a family of God, we're going to see God bring us into a new season and a new level altogether. Amen? Amen? So I'm now entering into 16 years of full-time ministry and glad tidings as a church we are more than 50 years old. We are now in our 54th year as a church. And next year, we'll be going into 55 years as a church and still going on strong. Hallelujah. We're going on strong. And we are believing God for that new season, a new anointing, and the new things that He has in store for us. You see, a call, in order for a call to be activated and to be accomplished 
We need to come to a place of surrender. So the message that I prepared for you today is called The Power of Surrender. And the text that we're going to be referring to is Genesis 22 uh, from verse 1 to 19. And um, I'll be asking my family to be helping us, you know, to go through the scripture and some illustration. Now, this is a very familiar portion of scripture. It's to do with Abraham and Isaac. So all of us have heard about this story before, but more than a story, this is a biblical account. So whatever that you read in the Bible is more than just a story to tell. It is a biblical account of what has actually happened. The people in the Bible that existed. Every circumstance in the Bible was a true circumstance. And so we want to learn and draw from this uh, act of surrender by Abraham. And it can be accounted as the most greatest act of surrender apart from Jesus giving his life to die for you and I on the cross. So this morning, I'd like to invite my daughter, Caitlin, to come on stage. She's going to read the scripture for us. Okay? So you see what happened? <laughs> so you know it's about Abraham and Isaac, right? So I say, oh good, Sean can be Abraham. Sean's going to be Abraham. And then Jaden can be Isaac. Then what am I going to do with Caitlin? I say, oh, okay, Ken, never mind. We'll get Caitlin to read us the scripture. And as she's reading the scripture, I'd like you to follow with us. I didn't put the scripture on, onto uh, the screen. But do turn to your Bibles. You need to open up your Bibles. And read along and allow the Word of God to just speak to your spirit this morning because there is a very important message that God is speaking to us about surrender. So Kaylin's going to read the, uh, the passage from verse 1 to 14. And then Sean is going to be acting out as Abraham and Jaden as Isaac. Okay? Are we ready, Kaylin? Okay, let's go. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, Mom, what does this mean God tested Abraham? That's a really good question. The very first word, verse itself, it is stated that God tested Abraham. I want us all here to recognize this, that from the point that you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and as you journey and walk with the Lord, Kaylin, it's not just a one occasion and a one encounter with God, but your faith is going to be tested. T.B. Joshua said this, Jesus said, I pray that your faith will not fail. And that means that your faith will be tested. You take a look at the Old Testament and the New Testament all across. There will be scripture verses that speak of the testing of our faith. From Isaiah to Job, Psalms, Proverbs, even Malachi. Proverbs 17 verse 3 says, The crucible is for silver and the furnace is for gold and the Lord tests the hearts. So God will test our hearts. God will test our faith. You look into the New Testament, Peter talks about the testing of the faith and so also in Corinthians, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3.13, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one of us has done. So our faith will be tested. Now Abraham's faith right now you know, as he brings Isaac, his son, to be sacrificed, is being tested by God. That's why it's stated there, God tested Abraham. We're going to go on to read from verse 2 to 14. And as we read those verses, Sean and Jaden will be acting out and role-playing Abraham and Isaac. Here I am, he replied. Then God said, 
Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Morah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father? Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Okay, Sean is binding up Jaden right now. I cannot see that, Sean. Yeah, and then Jaden is like, Oh, mommy, there's a lot of wood on the altar. <laughs> Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Bye, Jaden. <laughs> but the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay your hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God, because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the, a ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. Okay, let's move on to verse 14 and 15. Can I have the slide 14 and 15? So Abraham called that... Okay, this one, you just finished reading this? Verse 14 and 15, yeah. 
So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. The angel of the Lord. That's good. Let's give her a hand. Well done. Okay, don't move yet. Don't move yet. So I just want to ask you, Sean, you know, Jaden is our only son. So in a, in a way, I can relate to what Abraham was going through. He's our only son. Uh, and uh, when, when, when I was pregnant with Caitlin, I actually had a dream that God gave us a son. And then uh, when the actual child came out, it wasn't a son. <laughs> but it was fine. You know, we were just happy to have a baby, you know, and welcome Caitlin into, into our family. And, and then the time, time came four years later, and I said, hey, Sean, Pastor, la, you want to have another child? Better get on with it already, you know. I'm not getting any younger. <laughs> and so he said, yeah, yeah, let's have another child. And God blessed us and I became pregnant. And when I became pregnant with the second child, the Lord spoke to Sean and said that, you know, I'm going to give you a son. And so I went to the doctors to have my checkup. And at four months of pregnancy at the checkup, the doctor scanned me and then said that, oh, you're going to have a baby girl. So I called Sean and I said, hello, Lokong ah. Uh, if Lokong in, in, in Chinese means husband, I said, Lokong ah, uh, if, if it's a girl, is that alright with you? And he's like, yeah, you know, it's alright, you'll be fine. As long as the child is healthy and you are well, it's okay. You know, God will just receive all that God bless. And he kept very quiet. He didn't say a word, he kept very quiet. He didn't make any hoo-ha, no, 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 no sound about it. And then I went to the doctors again at five months. And at five months, lots, uh, the doctor scanned my stomach and then she went, I must have been terribly mistaken. You're expecting a boy. Wow. So then Jaden came about and this is our only son and we have only one daughter. So I can relate to how Abraham felt when he had to lay his son upon the altar. And how did you feel when, if you were to ask, how would you feel if you were to have to lay your children, whether Caitlin or Jaden, on the altar as a sacrifice? I will struggle. Absolutely. We would struggle and so would anyone. Let's give them a hand. Thank you so much. Let's have a little bit of background to Abraham and Isaac and understand a little bit more about them. So Abraham at this point was over a hundred years old. When he came to know the Lord and he was called out of the land of Ur, Abraham was 75 years old. And when he was called out of the land of Ur, God said to him, I'm going to make you the father of all nations. So a promise was given. And the promise was later at the age of 90, uh, reinforced by the Lord to say that I'm going to give you a son. So it took a total of 25 years for Isaac, the promised son, to come to fulfillment. Along the way, God had already been testing Abraham's faith. And they failed because he and Sarah had taken things into their own hands. And when they took things into their own hands, he, they arranged for Abraham to be with Hagar. And so Hagar had Ishmael, but Ishmael was not the promise that God had for Abraham. And so that caused even a further delay in the promise of God to come to fruition. So in total, 25 years waiting for the promise of God to come. And it came to pass at an impossible age of over 100 years old. At 100 years old, Abraham received his promised son. And this son was everything to him. It meant so much to Abraham and Sarah. The slaying, the killing of his son with a knife was really just what you call a mercy kill. 
So a mercy kill is that when you plunge the knife in, it is to shorten the suffering of the, the animal that you're about to, to uh, sacrifice. So this was just part of mercy killing. What he was asked to do specifically was to offer a burnt offering. And that meant he had to set his son on fire. Can you imagine? How would you feel? This promise that you've been waiting for for 25 years, it comes to pass. And you've enjoyed him. By then, at this time of, of sacrifice, Isaac was already a teenager. You've enjoyed him for over 10 years or more. And the Bible doesn't specifically tell us what age is Isaac. And you have to put your son on the altar and burn him. Isaac did it. Because as he obeyed, Abraham obeyed, and as he offered Isaac unto the Lord, the Lord provided. So Abraham declares that this is the place where God provides. When God provided the ram as that sacrifice, then angel of the Lord appeared and, and declared it. He knew that this is the place where the Lord provides. And in the Hebrew, the Lord provides is Jehovah Jireh. We learn the term Jehovah Jireh for the first time we're introduced to it in the book of Genesis. Jehovah Jireh, twice he replies, replies that this, on this mountain, the Lord will provide. I want to encourage you that this story is not just about Abraham. This story is for all of us to learn this, that every single time we surrender, God will give his best. In the mount of the Lord, he declared, we will always find the provision. Amen? You want to understand this, that God is not a God of subtraction. He's not here. He's not in your life. He's not interested in taking away from you. He's not interested in making you miserable or causing you to suffer. God wants to bless you. He is a God of multiplication. But we need to understand that in our place of receiving that blessing, there will be times where we are called to surrender. When we surrender, you know, there will be the deception of the enemy that can come. We could think that by giving up, you will lose something. You will not be as happy. You may not be as wealthy. You will not have the pleasure or even the fulfillment of life. But that is not what God intends for us. As soon as Isaac is laid down, Abraham stops to say, and to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Jehovah Jireh, our Lord provides. Surrender is truly the key to every blessing that God gives to us. What is it that God will be perhaps asking us to surrender? Let's take a look from the, uh, what Isaac represents. Isaac represented firstly, relationship. It was relationship. His only son, that promised son that has been given to him. And this relationship meant everything to Abraham. And God was saying and, and reiterating what we read in Luke 14 verse 26, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. But this word hate doesn't mean despise. This word hate really is God saying that, you know, I don't want in any rival in my relationship compared to you. You are important to me. I want to be first place in your life. I want to be the priority of your life. Now, having received His promised Son, though it's not specifically stated in the Bible, 
but likely it had happened that Isaac had taken God's place. Abraham prioritized Isaac. Isaac became everything to him. And for, therefore, it had then jeopardized and affected his relationship with the Almighty God. And God was saying to him, are you going to lay this down? Will you lay down your son so that I can be first in your life once again? So Isaac represents relationships. And the next thing that Isaac would represent is financial security. By today's terms, in today's value, Abraham was a billionaire. He earned, he, he, he was uh, wealthy and he was well uh, known in this community. He's a leader. And so he had no one to uh, pass on the legacy of his life and his inheritance to when Isaac was not born. He was to give his riches to a servant. But then God promised him that son and he was given that son. And now in, and through Isaac will be that son that will bear his name, will be the son that will bring his wealth to the next generation. So Isaac represented financial security. How many of us here know, here know that in our old age, money really isn't everything? Yes? In your old age, and he is old, already over 100 years old, in the next chapter, Sarah passes away. So in their old age, their money can't do very much for them. But a son can do so much. A son will be taking care of them. A son will be protecting them. A son will be the one to be the legacy of their lives in generation to come. So Isaac represented that financial security. He was laying down his financial future. Then the aspect of social acceptance and respect. I think in an Asian culture, that's very relevant to us as well. Many of us want to take care of our name, our reputation, our minzia, our face value, as it's said in Chinese. We take care of our reputation. We make sure that we have a good reputation. And now as he lays Isaac down at the altar, he is really laying down his reputation. He's laying down and, uh, uh, his name for that matter. Because after this, if he had to go all the way to burn his son, he would be known as the man that would have killed his very own only son. And in those days, in the Jewish culture, son is everything. A son is everything. He was laying down his reputation. Not only that, Sarah had no idea what was going on. He would have to go home after that and explain to his wife, oh, by the way, today we set our son on fire. He's now a burnt offering unto the Lord. Can you imagine? I would go crazy if Sean came home and said, oh, by the way, no more Jaden. Jaden sacrificed to God already. That was the kind of situation that he had to go through. And yet, Abraham surrendered and obeyed. This was his future promise. Like I mentioned so many times, Isaac is his future. It meant his all and everything to him. And yet, God was testing his faith and saying, will you lay your son down for me? Will you lay down that promise for me? There are times in our life, there is a place where we come to know Jesus and we invite him into our life as Lord and Savior. And that journey begins with the Lord. 
And as we journey with the Lord, we will come to many, many Moriah moments. Moments where God will challenge you to say, will you lay down that thing in your life? Will you lay down so that I can bless you? Will you lay it down and surrender so that I will not be rivaled in your heart's throne? God may specifically challenge us to lay down our finances, our business, our, our, our talents, our intelligence, our, our relationships, our personal habits, even time or perhaps even ministry in all of these issues. But I want to assure you that every single time that you allow the Lord to work in your life and you choose to surrender, you choose to let go, and you choose to let God, God will take you to another level of blessing and provision because He is Jehovah Jireh. Amen? Amen? That is our God. doesn't want you to lose anything. He wants to add to your life and add blessings unto you. So Moriah moments where God specifically challenges us. Here today, I want to ask you, is God specifically challenging you to lay down something in your life so that you can have that greater blessing? So at this time, I'd like to share a little bit more about my call and my journey with the Lord. A story of, uh, you know, what has happened since uh, almost 20 years of uh, that point of salvation. I've shared with you my testimony of how the Lord saved me. It was a dramatic conversion uh, because I was a Taoist. We went, grew up in many, many, frequenting many temples, sought many mediums. And at the teenage years of 17 and onwards, I had been training to become a medium. So I was really involved in Taoism and in uh, spiritual things and in darkness. And that moment came, mom brought me to cell group and I had an encounter with Jesus that completely changed my life. That encounter, that one moment of knowing Jesus, that day that I gave my life to Jesus, what did I lay down? I lay down religion. I laid down religion. I gave up whatever practices that we had growing up, whatever cultic practices that we knew of, and uh, whatever that was brought up, you know, we were brought up in, in, in practicing, and I laid down religion. And I had not laid down religion. Today, I would not understand a relationship with an almighty, merciful, loving God who wants His best only for me. Amen? So I laid down religion the day I gave my life to Jesus. Now, you're going to hold your applause for a while because there are many, 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 many more Moriah moments that I will be sharing with you today to let you know that God is so good and so great because at every moment of surrender, I've only experienced yet a greater blessing. So that time came and I gave my life to Jesus. I was really lost, didn't know what to do. And I then found Glad Tidings and Glad Tidings became my church. And that journey began of refining. The journey began of God doing a deeper work in my life. So Sean, can you bring up that, sil that silver bag, please? So for the young people who are in the house, pay special attention. I see Patrick petting the daughter. <laughs> Do you know who are my favorite people in church? Anyone want to guess? Who, who are my favorite people in church? Sorry? Don't be shy. Shout it out. <laughs> the youth. <laughs> Did someone say youth? Yes. The youth hold a very special place in my heart. But then again, all of us here are young at heart. Huh? So all of you also hold a special place in my heart. Okay? Hey, Lokung, don't run away. You got a hole for me. 
Okay, hold it up. So in that refinement process, coming to know the Lord, now, for those of my friends who may be here and knew me before I was a believer and a Christian, I was a little bit on the wild side. Party girl, okay? Not proud of it, but I had that, uh, that, that lifestyle. And so the very first thing that God asked me to give up, you just open the back, then I would take out, was the booze. Ah. Anybody here went masa? The booze and the partying. God challenged me and said, lay down. Lay down that partying lifestyle. Lay down that booth. And that was okay with me because I had enough anyway. I didn't desire it anymore. And I said, God, you know, I will lay that down. I will give it up. I will give it up. I will stop drinking and I will stop the partying. And then came the point where God challenged me. Karen, lay down the cigarettes. Lay down the cigarettes. Now this was hard. This was really difficult. Why? Because I was addicted to cigarettes. I picked up smoking at the age of 16. And once again, I am not proud of that habit that I picked up. But I picked it up because I didn't know how to cope with stress. It was difficult. And I would steal cigarettes. And it was really a stronghold in my life. And so when God said, give up the smoking, I said, God, I want to. I want to so much to give it up. I don't want to have this habit in my life anymore. But it was hard. It wasn't easy. One attempt, two attempts, three attempts. But guess what? In the mighty name of Jesus, I am set free from cigarettes. No more in my life. God broke that chain. So had I not given up smoking and drinking and partying, I would not know what it is to have a life that, is, that you don't need these kind of dependencies. But, but Jesus becomes that all dependency. Jesus becomes the satisfaction. The Lord becomes the love of my life. Had I not given it up, had I not laid it down, had I not surrendered, I would not know of this experience. Two years later, after salvation, I was in church camp in Kwantan. And mom uh, was the one who brought me to Christ and uh, we went to church camp. At that point in time, only mom was the believer and I then came to know the Lord. Mommy likes to, my parents are here this morning, right in front. Let's give them a hand, my parents. <laughs> who, are, who have been very, very incredibly supportive, you know, in, in, in all aspects of my life. Uh, and so, mom would love to sit in front. And so, we were sat right in the front for, for church camp. And that day, God spoke to me so very clearly. Karen, lay down your life and follow me. Lay down your life and follow me. Lay down your life and follow me. It got louder and louder. Lay down your life and follow me. And so, if I could, I would climb up on the altar and lay down because I laid down my life and decided to follow Christ that day. I gave my life. And I asked the Lord, but Lord, what about my relationship? At that point in time, I was dating a serious relationship for three and a half years. And there was already talk of marriage. But yet God would say to me, lay down your life and follow me. Lay down your life and follow me. I say, okay God, I will lay down this relationship and I will follow you. But you see, had I not laid down that relationship and surrendered that relationship unto the Lord, I wouldn't have known Sean. <laughs> I wouldn't have known this very wonderful man 
that God has brought into my life. And I really, really appreciate you and thank God for you. Because through the years of serving the Lord, guess who is the one changing diapers and taking care of the children over the weekend? It is my husband. Yeah. So often, people say, oh, behind every great man, there's a great woman. Behind this very small woman is a great man. Yeah. Very much behind the scenes, but so supportive to all that we have done and served a lot together. And I look forward to the many, many more years that we will serve a lot together. Amen? Amen. So, Sean, our love story, I told that the last time I preached, you know, in February last year or something. So, you might know a little bit our love story. So, I laid down the relationship. And then God said, and I said to God, God, what about my career? What about my career? At that point, I had been working as a business consultant in a top accounting firm for four years. I was doing well. I was sent to Germany for work. I was trained in America. I was, doing, I was earning good money, good money. And God said, lay down your career. And I laid down my career. I laid down my career. But I had not laid down my career I would not know today what it's like to serve 16 years full-time in the house of the Lord. And it has been the best years of my life. I laid down my career. So I think all of you who are business people would know, lah, lay down career means lay down money. So I took a, I had no salary for two years when I furthered my studies in, in the States. And so I gave up my salary uh, but giving up my salary was one part of it. Then came the point before I went to, to Bible school, God spoke to me and said, Karen, I want you to clear out your bank account. Now, I didn't have a lot of money then, but it meant clearing out my bank account. And I was going to go into two years of no salary and uh, living by faith. Now, don't worry. Tell your neighbor, don't worry. Pastor's not asking you to clear your bank account. Okay, this is personal to me. It is what God has done in my life. I'm sharing with you so that you can be encouraged. How surrender can draw you closer to God. How surrender can bring a greater blessing into your life. Okay, so God said to me, empty your bank account and give it to the church. And so I said, okay God, I'll empty my bank account and I'll give it to the church. And so I gave up whatever money I had and I gave it to the church. But had I not given up at that point of obedience and said, God, I'm willing to surrender the money that I have in my bank account, today I will not be able to experience that incredible provision of God that has come for time and time and time again. I will tell you this, I have never lacked. From that day, I gave my life to Jesus, laid myself down at the altar, never lacked one moment. I remember times when I was in the States, you know, and I would have a, like, you know, some, just some desire. And one of it was strawberries. And I said, you know, so nice, you know, if I could have strawberries to eat. And then I went on a ministry trip. I traveled a lot. And I went on a ministry trip and I stayed in the home. We'll be housed by families. And when we stayed in the home, guess what? Breakfast, lunch, dinner, supper, tea time. Strawberry, 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 strawberry. And I knew and oh, I, can, I can tell you many, 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 many Mariah moments where in the smallest of things, where Sean doesn't even know that that is my desire. But guess who knows? God knows. God knew my very, very desire. Today, I stand here and I can tell you I live a debt-free life. 
debt-free. Whatever I earn is in my pocket. I get to spend. And I don't owe anyone anything. God, la, husband bless me a little bit la, here and there. Huh? But husband, ma, so sure, isn't it? Right? Yeah. <laughs> he laughed. <laughs> then came the point I said, hey, but God, what about my family? You know, I, I lay down my career, I lay down that relationship, but what about my family? What about my family? My parents. My parents. I thank God for them. They have been truly the best parents that I could ask for. Through the years, they have so graciously given all that they can to us. And so they paid and, uh, and, and you know, uh, allowed me to be educated overseas. I have an accounting and finance degree uh, in Eng from England. So I actually went overseas to study before, you know, and all that because my parents so readily sacrificed for me. So with all the money that has been invested into my, into my education, here I am saying, wow, that's it, you know, I'm giving it all up. I'm going to answer the call of God. I'm going to Bible school and I'm not going to work. As a parent, how would you feel? But my parents so graciously released me. At that point in time, my dad had not yet, not yet come to Christ. And so God allowed for me to do, uh, go, to, go for Bible school. As I laid down my family and I, I left, I went to Bethel Temple in Virginia. And then, uh, and then I went for one year and I came back. And when I came back after one year, God spoke to me and said, Karen, will you arrange a, a, a a, bank, a dinner, you know, have a dinner, call your relatives because a lot of our relatives are not yet believers. So ask your relatives to come and tell them your story. Tell them what happened to you. Tell them how you went over, how it came about for you to go to America. So I said, okay, mom, <laughs> mom, arrange the dinner. <laughs> mom, let's call our relatives. And my mom is a great cook. I know that the cell group will know, you know, every time my mom cooks, right, the cell group full attendance one. Because her food is so good. <laughs> so, so my mom, my mom arranged a dinner, you know, and uh, she invited every, everyone to come, my relatives, whoever could make it. And that day when I went to my room and I prayed, and as I opened the Bible, the words came forth from the Bible and Scripture that says that salvation will come to this household. Salvation will come to this household. And I said, I claim it, Lord. I believe it. Salvation will come to this household. So as we gather our relatives and we makan makan already, then we had them to sit down and I say, um, I have something to share with you. And so I shared. And I don't know where the bonus came from. Then I asked, you know, is there anyone today that would like to give your life to Jesus? In that family reunion, guess who gave his life to Jesus? My father gave his life to Jesus. One year after I went to Bible college, and I came back and he accepted Jesus. And I not laid down my family, surrendered my life and said, Lord, I'm willing to answer that call. Today, my dad would not be a believer. It was really a beautiful moment when last week we went together to visit my sixth auntie who is sick and very open to the Lord and we prayed for her together. See, I would not have known that would have happened. I would not have known in that moment of Moriah moment of surrender that down the years will be this blessing. Down the years will be this promise. Down the years will be these experiences that money cannot buy. I am blessed. I am blessed and I pray that you too will be blessed. And so I came back and I came back after training and uh, pastor immediately, you know, uh, uh, took me on board to serve as a minister. 
I came on full-time. And the refining and the testing continued. And I began, even in the process as a young believer, to lay down the food. Malaysians, huh? Like to makan, right? My favorite, potato chips. You ask my family, they would know. So God challenged me in Moriah moments to times of fasting. And I said, oh, yo, how to fast? I cannot go without food. It would be so difficult. You know, I have gastric. I, since young, I have gastric problems. And then just God just impressed in my heart, you start your fast. The first fast I did was three days. And three days of fasting with just fruits. And I just obeyed and I, and I carried on three days of fasting with just fruits. Had I not obeyed and surrendered and taken up that time, that challenge to, to fast and seek more of God, I would not have experienced complete and total deliverance from gastric pains. I have no gastric pains whatsoever since that day I completed the three-day fast. And that's many years ago. That is how good and gracious and amazing our God is. And then finally, in this, not finally, like I said, you know, the, it continues on, that challenge continues on. In this season, God is challenging me to lay down the devices. To lay down the devices. I say, God, but this is ministry. I'm on WhatsApp because of ministry. And God says, lay down the devices, Karen. Lay down, lay down and come back to my word. Come back to my word. Come back to the reading of my word. Come back to the spending of time with me. So I'm going to do that in this season of life to come back and to surrender, come back to his word and to spending time with him. Amen. Amen. I'm excited for the blessings that are to come. Thank you so much. Devices, huh? It's okay if you're using your iPad and or whatever devices for the Bible, okay? That's allowed. Don't worry. Because on the iPad can make the font bigger, isn't it? So that's not a problem. <laughs> so you can. You can still use your devices, but use it for the glory of the Lord. Amen? Amen? And so I'd like to talk a little bit more about the problem of surrender. So all these things that I laid down are really very carnal. We understand it, I think, in our basic understanding of the faith, we can accept that, you know, we shouldn't do this, we shouldn't do things that are sinful, we shouldn't do anything that will separate us from God. But then what, what if it's about your blessing? Like how Abraham had been waiting for that promise to come, Isaac 25 years to fulfillment and now he has that blessing and now he has that promise and he's asked to surrender and lay it down. You see, Isaac was the blessing that God had given Abraham but had taken his place and God was challenging that. Will the promise become an idol? After praying for many years for a son, now the son becomes the greatest impediment between him and God and God did not want Isaac he wanted Abraham back. It was not about Isaac. It was not about sacrificing the son. But it was about Abraham. It was about Abraham and God was saying to him, we spent so many years together in fellowship, in friendship. And now that when I've given you this promise, what happened? How has this promise taken my place? Abraham, I want you back. Would you surrender your promised son to me? And Abraham obeyed. And Abraham brought his son all the way up to Mount Moriah and he was ready to go all the way to give his son up as a burnt offering. Can I share this with you? 
once again, that we have a God who loves us so much. And this God who loves us so much does not want to take away from you, does not want to deprive you, but in every way possible wants to bless you and bring increase into your life. But has that promise then become an idol? Has the fulfillment of your wishes then come into a place that separates you from having a closer, sweeter, deeper relationship with the Lord God Almighty? Why does God contend with us? He's not trying to take away. He will never give up on any one of us. He will pursue us. He will come after us. He will leave that 99 just to bring that one back. That's how much you, live, you mean to Him. You mean so much to Him that He gave His only begotten Son to die on the cross in your place. So your life is a ransom that was paid. For your life, a ransom was paid. Someone paid that price. And that person is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ paid the price so that we will not end up in death and futility. He paid the price so that we can have an eternity with a merciful, gracious and loving God. Hallelujah. Jesus paid the price. And when He paid the price, when He paid the price, everything changes. You no longer become a slave like how I was a slave to an addiction, slave to so many things that were wrong in my life. I no longer became a slave to darkness. We no longer are slaves, but we can become sons and daughters and co-heirs with the Most High God. Hallelujah! No longer a slave. Today, you are a son and you are a daughter. And when you are a son or a daughter, everything changes. The plan that the enemy had for you for harm, God will turn it around and it is a plan that God will do it and use it for the glory of an almighty God. Your priorities will change. The privileges changes. You can ask of God. You don't need to beg of your heavenly Father. You can ask of Him and say, if I love you so much, if you ask of me, would I not give you what is good for you? But there are Moriah moments that God will say, but will you firstly surrender, lay it down, that your testing of faith will come to pass. From Abraham and Isaac's life, we can see from this account, a process that takes place. So how do we surrender? I'd like to encourage you this week, it begins really with, having a dialogue with God. So the first verse says, God spoke to Abraham. And so a dialogue took place. They talked. They communicated. We lead very, very busy lives in this urban Asian community. So busy. And I'd like to encourage you, would you draw away from that busyness? Will you draw away from that commitment this week? Just a little bit of time. And say, God, is there anything in my life that needs to be surrendered to you. Take that time. Have a dialogue with the Lord. And having heard from God, and having had that dialogue with Him, then I will encourage you to obey with complete obedience. Partial obedience is disobedience. Delayed obedience is disobedience. So you can say, like Saul, you know, I choose this but not that. You know, I'd rather do this and not that. That is still disobedience. And you could say, not now lah, God. The timing now is not so good for me. That is still disobedience. Full, complete obedience will then bring you to the release of blessing and provision of God far beyond what you can even ask or imagine. Thirdly, death to the promise. 
In Hebrews 11, verse 17 to 19, Isaac was that promise. He represented the promise of God. And Abraham had to bring death to that promise. When you turn to Hebrews 11, 17 to 19, it says here, By faith, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice, he who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned, Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. And so this scripture tells us this, that when Abraham went up to Mount Moriah, when Abraham uh, heard from God in the New King James Version, he says, take now your son Isaac. When he heard that from the Lord and he was so clear about it, he did not delay. He did not hesitate. The very next morning, he packed up and he journeyed with his son. He went on this journey with his son and it was not a journey where he was crying and lamenting and complaining and murmuring and saying, that, oh God, why lah? Why my only son? Why must you have me give him a burnt offering? <laughs> this is too difficult. I don't want to do it. That was not how his attitude was in, in, in responding to God. He was a man of faith. Hebrews says, by faith. And so he took his son and said, Son, we are going to Mountain Moriah. We're going to go up there and God is going to do something. I'm going to give God full control. I'm going to trust this God that I've journeyed with that as I do this, though I don't understand it, though I don't know what the outcome will be, but I'm believing that as I obey, a miracle is going to take place. Something is going to happen because my God is a Jehovah Jireh. Amen. The resurrection power of Christ. That was his declaration and he experienced it. What happened when he obeyed fully and surrendered to the Lord? Scripture says this, going down the verse 15 to 18 of Genesis 22. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not beheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offsprings, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Me. It was not an outcome that Abraham could in any way anticipate. That is the power of surrender. Because we think that surrender makes us weak. But the Word of God says this, that when you are weak, then you become strong. We think that surrender means being, having to give up and to lose. But God does not want us to lose. God wants to bless each and every one that's here. You see, surrender means saying, God, I give you control. And in that moment of weakness, in a moment of surrender, in that moment of giving God everything in control, as you bow down to an almighty God, and this is a place where the enemy cannot stand. The enemy cannot stand against you. So when you bow down to the almighty God in surrender, my friends, this is the secret to your victory because your God is Jehovah Jireh. He is your provider. Amen? Come on, let's give God the glory. Oh, He's a great God and a good God. So tonight, this morning, as we come before the Lord, friends of God, let's allow the Lord to just examine our hearts as we sing this song, I Surrender All.
allow Him to seek you. I'd like to encourage you to remain in the service because this is an important time. As you have heard the message, now is an opportunity for you to respond. So as we seek the Lord, as we worship Him, allow Him to examine our hearts this morning. I surrender all. Thank you, Jesus.